Hello and welcome to At Home with Ashley G. I'm Ashley Gronwald, a real estate agent, mother of three, living in Raleigh, North Carolina with my husband Jed. I hope you'll join me as we discuss all things that begin in the home, such as family, marriage, faith, parenting, organizing, and plus a sprinkle of real estate. I look forward to building a community with you as we navigate the joys of owning a home and making it our safe haven for our family. Because home is where it all begins. Hi everyone, it's Ashley Gronwald with Hunter Row Real Estate and I have Kendall Gilbert joining me today and I'm so excited to hear her talk about five steps to creating more space anywhere. So Kendall, thank you so much for joining me and everyone who's listening. I had someone come up to me at the pool the other day and say, when is your um, session going live for the more space? Because I can't wait to hear it. And I said, listen on Wednesday. So (laughs) she's really excited to hear. I hope she's listening now. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your business, and then we'll jump into some questions. Yeah. So, well, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And I'm I'm just, um, it's so fun to listen to all the women that you interview. So I I count it an honor to be one of them. So yeah, so I have a um, business called More Space and it's um, tactical and paper tools to help busy moms. So, or busy girls in general. So I offer space consultations. If you wanted to hire me to come into your home to do like some organization, I also do paper tools. I've created lots of paper tools to help you stay organized. And then um, I also do Christmas um, cards, holiday cards and the uh, photo cards. So that's kind of me. And I have a, I I do have a newsletter. I'll tell you a little bit more about later, but um, where I offer tips and tricks on how to stay organized as a busy person. So that's awesome. So I'm just curious before we jump in, where did this vision come from? Are you a naturally organized type of person that likes schedules and routine? Or is this something you created to help? Where did it come from? Yes, that is a great question. So I would say I'm naturally organized. I also have a background in interior design and space planning from the corporate world. So I have done a lot of that, um, probably about 15 years of it. And once I became a mom, I realized how difficult it is to manage all of the demands and that there's such a need out there for someone to help people get their space in order, get their schedules in order to sort of relieve some of the overwhelm in your mind so that you can really enjoy the stage of life and the season that you're in instead of feeling so overwhelmed. So that's really my mission and my heart is to help busy moms reduce the overwhelm by having some systems in place. I love it. Well, I know I'm excited to hear what you have to say. So let's jump in. My first question was, why do you think we constantly feel like we need to have more space? Seems like I I hear that often. We've got probably a a billion dollar industry and the storage units um, across the country and our garages, our closets, our attics, you know, as a real estate agent, storage is a very big search factor for people. What type of storage will I have? So why do you think we have this constant feel like we need more space? Yeah, I'm sure that you actually hear that probably more than the average person for sure. So yeah, um, you know, I think as Americans, this is a battle that we fight that's probably different than other cultures. Maybe it's more of a Western thing, but I think we um, we are inundated with stuff all the time. So we have stuff coming into our house all the time. You know, we are looking at information, digital information all the time. So I'm looking at my phone, I'm looking at my iPad, I'm looking at my laptop, I'm checking my email, I'm reading some article. And then, you know, we consume, we just consume so much, whether it's data or 
stuff for our house or stuff for our like wardrobe. And I think that that can fill us to the brim. And so we crave a break from that. That's really the deal, I think, is we crave a break from all of that consumption. And the best way that that I have found to vocalize that is I just need more space. I just need more space in my mind. I just need more space in my calendar. I just need more space in my home to have some white, like in an art picture. You know, if you don't have white space, then it's hard to appreciate the color and the shapes and the image because you don't have any negative space. And so it's more about having some negative space in your life so that you can really enjoy the season that you're in and prioritize what's important. And I think that probably plays into that comment, like my plate is full instead of I need some space on my plate because it's overflowing with things and just people wanting to disconnect, people going on vacation. I'm like, I'm leaving this all behind because they're overwhelmed, overloaded. So it's not just physical space, it's space mentally, all of these areas where we're feeling just bogged down by consumption overload, it sounds like. Right. And I think even as moms, it's even it's exponentially more because we are taking care of our kids and our households. And so we're also tackling more than just our schedule or more than just our stuff in our home or just Mm -hmm. our closet, you know, so it it just feel we feel it probably more than the average non parent, let's say. That makes sense. Just being even in charge or in the one making decisions for the family as a whole, maybe keeping track of the family calendar schedules, um, the wardrobes of our kids and their toys and stuff. Not that a dad doesn't do that. That just probably is something a mom is going to be more oriented to do. Absolutely. Yes. So do you think we actually need more space or can we just use the space we have more efficiently? I love that question because I think it's more about using what you have efficiently. Yeah, I'm a big proponent in thinking about how you behave in a space or, you know, what your calendar is like, what your priorities are, and then using what you have to make those priorities or make that space work for you. So being more intelligent, like thinking more intelligently about a space. There's a um, an architect named Sarah Suzanka, who has movement called the not so big. It started with a book called the not so big house. Um, and now it's sort of a movement, the not so big life. And it's all about um, her premise is that we use 30% less of a house than we really think we need. So it's all about using what you have more intelligently and having strategic systems that work for you instead of just thinking adding more square footage is going to solve the problem. And I'm sure you see that a ton in your field. That's what I was thinking in real estate. My husband is gifted spatially. I wouldn't say I have that gift. I've learned things from him, but he walks into a space and he can reorient it to be more functional. He talks about flow in a home and just seeing what the potential it could be to meet the needs of whatever the need is. I kind of am a concrete thinker, whereas I see what I see versus what it could be, which is a limitation to me, but for him, such a gift. And I think that that idea of not just more square footage, and I often say that to people, be careful when you put limits or parameters around square footage, because a really well laid out home may be less square footage than you think is functional, but it's so well laid out for your needs that you could use less space or vice versa. So 
the number of just square feet doesn't necessarily get to the heart of the issue, which is, is it functional for our family and the way we would use it? And then I love this minimalism movement. It drives my husband crazy because he is an excess guy. He likes more and stuff and let's build a garage. Let's build, you know, a shed and, add, you know, like add and add and add. And I'm like, let's scale back, scale back. So I'm just curious, where do you fall on that minimalism spectrum and do you advocate for it or how do you coach people through that that may be interested in that? Yeah, you know, I, I do love that movement and I'm so intrigued by it. And I would say in general, I appreciate quality over quantity, which mm -hmm. I think is a little bit of the heart of the minimalist movement. Mm -hmm. um, but really, I think I am more geared to helping people prioritize how they use their space and then making the space work for them or their or their tools. So like in my kitchen, I'm not going to be the person that has, you know, 20 different trays, let's say. I'm going to have like three or four or five that I use all the time and that I know will hold up and that bring me a lot of joy. I don't want to store 20 different trays and I, I'm not going to coach somebody to do that. I'm going to say, hey, you likely don't have the space for it. Let's let's like figure out if you're a big entertainer, which ones do you use the most? Which ones do you love the most? And let's let's give away the others. So um, but I, I wouldn't say I am strictly like get get rid of everything like let's just mm -hmm. use what you have really purposefully and what you don't need let's just get rid of so maybe i'm a little bit more in the middle yeah which could probably be helpful to the person who's interested in going that direction or is afraid of that that's the direction you would take them it's like i want to look at what's important to you make sure we have space for that but maybe checking on these other things to see do we really need those are they actually helping or are they hindering me because maybe I don't even want to entertain because I'm just overwhelmed by where are the, the dishes that I love to use or the trays that I love to put the food out on. But I've got so many, I'm just can't even get my mind around what that time would look like. So I yeah. like that a lot. And I mean, for for me, I, I love kind of get a system that works and repeat, repeat, repeat. <laughs> so it's like when people come over for dinner, they have the, I serve tacos every time. So if I invite you to dinner, plan for tacos and I have it on the same serving trays, like I've got it down to a science so I can literally roll into my house 30 minutes before and have tacos ready for my, you know, people to come over. And that works for us because it's like, it doesn't, I'm not overwhelmed by deciding what I'm going to make. I'm not overwhelmed by what dishes do I have the dishes? Where are the dishes mm -hmm. and what, you know, I need to go to the grocery store for They're the things we eat as a family. So they're probably already here. So that, I, I mean, I think that's kind of the gear you're going direction directionally with people yeah. just being efficient with it instead of maybe thinking it has to be an elaborate meal or an elaborate dishes. It's like, have a plan that's purposeful and functional. Right, it, yes. And that enables you to enjoy being with your people, you know, right. and feel really rested and not like you've burned out on all this crazy preparation. You've got it. I love that. Like, I'm going to totally use that as an example in my newsletter because it's 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 so efficient and it, it enables you to really be present in the moment instead of worried or, yeah. or, you know, constantly thinking about the next thing. 
right? Did I, I don't know if I did that recipe quite right. That was a new one. Are they going to like it? Yeah. Or, or gosh, I threw that stuff in the washing machine for my linens for, and it's like, well, no, it's simple. It's tacos. And, you know, <laughs> and I don't have to worry about, you know, usually dietary needs because it meets right. everybody's needs. They can pick and choose as they want. So good. I'm glad that that's a good example that you can maybe share with people. Yeah. I invite people over quite a bit because I know that that's what we're going to do. My family knows it. And most people say, hey, we really like your tacos because it's just easy (laughs) and it's comfortable. It's not like they have to be worried. Is it going to be something we're not going to like? So anyway, that's a little thing that I do. So what are some of the areas of the home that people find to be the most challenging to have enough space? Is there specific areas you find people constantly talk about? You know, I I do. There are two main areas. I'm interested to know if this is what you experience as well. But I would say the entryway, which typically I'll call the drop zone. Sometimes that's like the back house area for your family. Like if you have a garage and you enter through a mudroom or sometimes it's the front entrance if you don't have the luxury of that. But I think that that space really sets the tone for your mood once you walk through the door. So, and I, and when I'm talking about your family, not necessarily your guests, but the people that live there. Mm -hmm. So if that area is not set up to serve you well, then it can just be a real source of frustration that kind of sets your mood for the rest of the time you're at home. And so I am a big cheerleader for people who can come up with a system that works for them in that area um, that they can then maintain so that when they walk through the home, they feel rested and ready and like energized to do whatever, like to make tacos for their friends that are coming over or whatever, you know, is, is next on the agenda. If you walk through the entryway and it is cluttered with book bags and coats and swimsuit, wet swimsuits and towels, it's just, it's, it's irritating and frustrating. Mm-hmm. And so then I feel like you kind of are relating to your people and even just in your mind fr- from a place of frustration and not peace. And so that is an area that I really try to help people zone in on to help them because that can change everything for how you approach the rest of your house. And then I would also say the kitchen. I mean, everybody spends most of the time in the kitchen, right? So if that is organized and set up to serve you well, then I think it can it can make cooking and being together a joy instead of, you know, just another source of frustration. Yeah. And I would say we live in an older home that's a split entry. So it's a very tight um, entrance. We don't use that. Guests use that. So it's fine. Um, But I could see if that was your main entrance, that could be a very stressful place because it's small. So you'd have to be really creative of how to use that. So because there's not space to just throw stuff. And if you did, you couldn't open the door well. And then our entrance comes in through the garage. And and so kind of backing up from that drop zone again, because it's a split entry there at the garage too, I get a little stressed out by what I feel in the garage space as I'm opening the door to our home is like, are there shoes everywhere? 
Is everything on the floor? And I feel my mood fluctuate. Mm -hmm. um, is this peaceful or is this stress that I have to do? And I've got little people. I mean, I've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old that I'm trying to train them, put your shoes in the basket versus just throw them at the door. Help me take things in from the, you know, the car or the garage and not just dump them here. I created a cabinet in our kitchen that's for backpacks. So it goes in that cabinet and that door shuts and that my little girl can get to it and get, you know, put it away and take it with her because it's on the lower level because we don't really have a mudroom that, you know, if you buy a new construction home, it's going to have a, a mudroom. That's pretty common now. But in these older homes, you've got to be creative. And I think even talking with some of your friends, like, how do you overcome the drop mm -hmm. zone, the kitchen the frustration of the counter being a catch-all place or coming in that front door? And I was even sharing with one of my friends, like I was like, come out here. This is an idea I just had. And I put bins right by my car door of Goodwill, return to friends, mom, Gigi. So I could walk out the house, put the things in these bins. So when I walk to the car, I can grab them out of those bins and share that with your friends, like if you come up with a good strategy, share that with someone else, you know, because sometimes your house is unique and you need different ideas. So I think that having someone like you even come in with fresh set of eyes to say, I've got an idea of how you can use this space better. So it's less frustrating. Yes. And I love that idea of, of having a space. I, I'm big on like, when you purge something, take it away from your house don't keep it there. So having a designated area where you can put that so it is a way and then you could just grab it and stick it in your car is a great mm -hmm. idea. Yeah. yeah. I think a second set of eyes is always more helpful. Yes. And again, your friends will, you know, a spouse, they might feel charged when you're like, I don't like how we use this space. It's driving <laughs> me crazy. You're always leaving your shoes. But if it's like a girlfriend that comes in and says, that would frustrate me too. I think I would try this, or this is a you know system we've put into place and it works. So it's like, what a great way to brainstorm together and give each other that gift of something yes. that might help the family function a little bit better. The next part I was going to ask you about is how can we create more space in these areas? So we're talking about the kitchen, um, talking about the drop zone of maybe that mudroom or that entryway into the house and maybe give me some specific takeaways that maybe some of us listening could say, I could implement this. I want to try this. Okay. I'm going to give you my approach to every single space because oh. I think this is super helpful and it's pretty easy to remember. So whenever I go into a space um, that I'm redoing, like let's say it's a coat closet in the um, entryway, I take out everything. I coach people to take out everything. So the first thing you do, these are like five steps. The first thing you do is take it all out. Wipe out shelves, wipe out wipe off walls, clean the floors, clean it. So number two is clean. The third thing is to take, take a look at all the items that you've taken out and to put them into three different piles. One is a recycle trash pile. One is a donate pile and one is a keep pile. And if you're unsure about some items, I have two ways of thinking. One is put it in the keep pile and you can kind of consider at a later date whether um, it's it's necessary at a, at a later time when you're doing this project or take it and put it in um, a per permanent storage to see if you miss it. Hmm. So um, if you 
if you miss it, then that means that it, it's worth you keeping. Or if, it, mm -hmm. if you realize that really brings you joy, it's worth keeping. So I think some people get hung up because they're like, I don't know. I don't know if I should keep it or not. And honestly, for myself, I'm kind of ruthless. I'm like, if I haven't used it in two years, I'm giving it away just because I don't have the space. But for people that are a little bit more sensitive to holding on to things, then I'll say, okay, if you can't quickly determine if it can be donated or thrown away, then put it in the keep pile. So that's the third step is you put it in one of these three piles. You take the recycle or the trash and you put it in recycle and trash right away. You take the donate stuff and you put it in your car or in your bin. If you have a designated bin in your garage, like you do. And so it's out of sight because what you don't want to do is keep it in sight so you can think about it more because and generally your initial response is the best response that mm -hmm. you can trust for whether or not you should keep it, right? So you've got it. So you've, you've taken care of those three piles and you only have your keep pile left. At that point, this is the fourth um, step. You, you're going to break up the keep pile into keep it permanently or in a permanent, in, I'm sorry, in permanent storage, or are you, is this something you use every single day or very regularly and it needs to stay in that area? So if it needs to stay in that area, you're using it very often, put it in one pile. If it needs to, if you need to use it occasionally, but not all the time, put it in the permanent storage pile. Okay. Then you take the permanent storage pile and you put it in either an attic, like you put whatever you have in a Rubbermaid bin or more than one, and you put it in an attic or a shed or a garage. Someplace, I'm a big fan of the clear bins because you can see what's inside of it, or you can label it, either one, but you slap a label on it and you put it in a permanent um, storage location that you can see when you need to access it, but you don't need to have it next to you every day. And this is especially helpful for homes like yours that don't have the plethora of storage that, you know, some of the newer homes have. Um, so I love the permanent storage idea because you know you're gonna use it at some point, but you don't have to have it right next to you, taking up space in your coat closet where it's going to be crammed in and hard to sort through all the other things. So an example of that would be coats. Every season change, really two, like if, it, you know, if, if we're moving into warm weather or moving into cold weather, if we're moving into cold weather, I will take all the lightweight jackets out mm -hmm. of our coat closet and I'll put it in a Rubbermaid bin and I will take all the, all of our heavy coats and put them in our coat closet. Yeah. So, and that also includes like, I kind of keep our mittens there and our hats, things that we don't access at all during the summer. And then um, that comes out of permanent storage and the lightweight stuff goes into permanent storage. And honestly, it takes about 15 minutes, but man, the time that it saves and sorting through, like cramming in the, you know, all the different coats and jackets and that kind of thing, along with backpacks and shoes is a lifesaver. I mean, it is a time saver for sure. So that's an example of like everyday items that we're not using in one season. And so we're going to put it in a permanent storage location that we can access, but then only have the items that we're going to be using in that season easily accessible. So anyway, that's, that's what I would do. And then once I have determined what's permanent storage and needs to be in that place for accessibility, put it all back in, in into the um, place for accessibility. So it's so the five steps are you remove everything, you clean it, you put it into piles of throw away, donate or keep. Then you pare down your keep pile from 
permanent storage to what you need here and now. And then you only put the here and now stuff back into the space. I love that. And I feel like you can easily tackle, like you said, just a coat closet. It doesn't have to be we're tackling the house today. That's a big, big project. So break it down into rooms or closets or cabinets and try out those five steps. I mean, that just makes so much sense because if you don't take it all out, you're going to be tempted to think you're going to like start sorting even before you get it all out of the space. But you need to get it all out clean, like you said, and then make some decisions. And I think that people who may are maybe a little more sentimental may have trouble with that step because they're like, I don't know if I want to donate it. I don't know if I want to keep it. So the idea of let's try it in a permanent storage like our attic for a year or whatever it is and see if I missed it. And if I didn't, then we're going to pass it along. I know one thing you can do like in your closet, if you're not certain if you're wearing some things that you think you could probably donate is turn all the hangers around. Have you ever done that where you turn all the hangers so they're facing you? And then at the end of the year, see how many of them, once you wear it, you turn the hanger back the other direction and you can see, wow, 50% of my clothes I didn't wear for a whole year. Yes. When I use something like that to gauge, because you might think, oh, I use that a lot. And then you look at a year's time and you didn't wear half of your clothing. Right. That could be really helpful. And then I used to do, you know, summer clothes, winter clothes separate. And I switched them from the attic to my closet. And then I by my mom's idea, she said, your closet's big enough. I think you could put them all in there. And I hated the idea. And then I did it. And now I love it because I see everything. And so it's like, if we go on vacation in a different you know, season, I can easily access it. But it also helps me keep it pared down because I see it all there. And it's like, I don't want to have loads and loads of clothes because decision fatigue and just having things we don't need. Um, and then the other idea I thought about too is helping your family get on board of like, okay, we have 20 of fill in the blank stuffed animals or 20 heavy coats. There's lots of families out there that don't have that. Let's donate some of these to some people who don't have them and it'll free us up to have more space for other things, but we don't need all this. So just, you know, right. if you're struggling with that decision-making, I think sometimes putting a real person behind who it would be donated to, or if you have a neighbor, you know, or a, a specific person in your church, sometimes that can help is like giving it to that family versus just to a goodwill. I mean, I love North Raleigh Ministries. I feel great about taking my stuff there because they're, you know, a local ministry and we go in there and get toys and stuff for our kids and love it. So maybe Maybe connecting with the ministry that you're supporting when you donate might help people in that decision. I think that is such a good point. Yes, that connection for somebody that's holding on to something, that is a great point. If you can connect it to somebody, then it does. It makes you feel better about it, about getting rid of it. And I think teaching our kids this, because if our culture is consume, 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 and we're hoarding and keeping, how do we teach our kids not to fall into these same traps that we as adults are in where we're in overload um, and just buying more storage units and building bigger houses to store all this stuff we don't actually need? to actually walk our kids alongside this process of donating and keeping what we need and sharing with other people and downsizing, all that type of stuff, I think are good lessons, not only for ourselves, but for our kids, so. Yes, I agree. My kids think I'm ruthless, but- Mine too. <laughs> I'm, but I'm hoping that it is instilling a, a message to them about really what is important in the grand scheme of things. and. Mm -hmm. Stuff is just not going to, my dad used to say, 
you just can't take it with you in the end. And I just, that's what I say to myself, you know, if I'm like, well, should I keep this or not? Like, is it really that important to me? You know, there's so many more things that are important, being with people, creating memories, Mm -hmm. serving people, than Mm -hmm. satisfying a need that's never going to be satisfied. Right, for sure. Well, just the last couple of questions to wrap us up. You mentioned, I think on your website, that visual, like visually over being overwhelmed by clutter can have a negative impact on us. And we've talked a little bit about that, but how do you see that negatively affecting us individually? And then maybe the, the smoothness of how our home functions? Yeah, you know, I, I think it is some of what we've talked about before, but just that idea of when you walk into a space, what you see really impacts your mentality and what your thoughts are and then how you respond to people or to situations. And so, you know, as a culture, we're under so many demands and so much stress. And so to limit that by creating a clean palette and a visually restful room or house or calendar is such a blessing to yourself Mm -hmm. and to other people. And so that's really the heart of my mission is that I'm encouraging people to create a restful space, not just for the sake of doing it, but because it truly does change your perspective. And, you know, like I said before, I worked in the corporate world during space, doing space planning for years. And, you know, I could tell a a difference in how productive people were when they had a clean space to work in. And so I think just if we're really, you know, on a mission to try to use our time well and efficiently, then having a clean environment, a cleared out environment can help us just be more productive and use our time, the little time that we have well. I love that. Yeah. I would say my husband thinks I'm ruthless too, like my kids, like (laughs) you said. Um, But he does say publicly that he appreciates my desire to keep order and not to keep a whole bunch of clutter, even though at the time, I know it hurts him a little bit every time I'm taking a bag to the Goodwill (laughs) or whatever. Um, He does say he appreciates it because I do think that he functions better with a clean space. It's just not his natural go-to to maintain that. And that's where I can come in and help with that, you know, and try and instill that for our family. So how do you recommend someone maintain this order and organization, whether in their calendar or their home or their office once they've tackled it? So you've kind of come in, you've created, helped create a system. How do we maintain it? Yep. That is, I think really that is the key. You can spend a ton of time decluttering and within a week, it can be the same as it was before, which is defeating. So I am big on creating routines and systems, building them into your schedule so that you are maintaining the space once it's cleared out. And that's really, I'm big on that for lifestyle too. So, you know, so for for what one of the things I recommend is that you do like a load of laundry a day. That takes three minutes, probably maybe five minutes, but you don't have mounds of laundry staring you at the in the face, you know, for during your weekend when you want to be doing something else. Or so that's one thing. Another thing I'm big on is your dishwasher, cleaning your 
uh, dishes at night, running your dishwasher at night when everybody's asleep. And then you wake up, you take five minutes in the morning to unload the dishwasher. I'm trying to train my kids to do that. So currently that's my daughter's job, <laughs> but you know, we're clearing it out early in the morning and then all day long, we have an empty dishwasher where dirty dishes go so that we're not walking into the kitchen at five o'clock at night and having and finding dirty dishes in the sink, mm -hmm. all over the countertops. That is stressful to me. So that's another routine that I've built in that's super mm -hmm. important for me. Another one is meal planning. I take about 10 minutes on the weekend and I meal plan and then grocery shop according to that so that at the five o'clock hour, again, I'm not stressed trying to come up with something to do or we're not eating a ton of fast food, but we're trying to eat healthy and and, and we have some sort of system in place so that when people are cranky, I can say, okay, hang in there. We'll have food in just a little bit. You know, I've got a plan. So, I mean, there, there are, that is one thing that I include in my e-letter is I'm always looking for what I call them as simple solutions to help mm -hmm. you build routines in to your schedule so that you're maintaining that space. Because the last thing you want to do, like I said, is clear it out and make it look all nice and functional and then you don't have a way to maintain it. So equipping people to maintain it is another big part of my mission. I love it. I think what I'm hearing is like being proactive versus reactive. And I know I feel less stressed when I'm proactively doing the laundry before it's mounding up or putting the dishes in, turning the dishwasher on proactive versus, oh my gosh, now I've got a sink full of dishes. I've got to cook dinner. I'm overwhelmed. One thing too, that I do like on a nightly basis, you're saying creating routines is just like closing the kitchen. Like you would close a restaurant, like clean off the countertops, wipe everything down. Everything's in the dishwasher. Everything's put away. So if company were to come in the morning, I'd be prepared. Not that they do, but I'd be prepared because I always say tomorrow, I don't know what's going to come. So I've got to end today with all of the like maintenance things taken care of because mm -hmm. maybe tomorrow will be a light day, but then something could go different than planned. And then I've got laundry and dishes and dinner to make and company coming over. So it's like, I tell my family, kitchen's closed. Mama's done. Like kitchen is closed. <laughs> it's been wiped down. There's no more food coming out of here. Close out the lights. It's done. And it's a clean kitchen. And you wake up to a fresh space and that works for my well-being for sure. Yes. And uh, to go along with that, we do a similar thing at our house. And I would say, even if people aren't coming in the morning or whatever, you walk into the day with a fresh start and you yeah. don't have a lot of work staring you in the face. Yeah. And that is invaluable for your energy mm -hmm. level. You know, we all have a limited amount of energy. And so that's a great practice to get you started fresh the next day. Exactly. Well, I could talk to you about this forever. Clearly, I love all that you're doing. How can people get in touch with you? And what is the best way for someone to reach out if they want to learn more and maybe work alongside you? Yeah. So um, I am on Instagram at Kendall P. Gilbert. And then I have a website that's KendallPGilbert.com or on Instagram, either one and send me your email and then I'll add you to my email list. And that is such a good way for you to get free content that's going to help you. So I, I pride myself on um, creating an e-letter that's super helpful. So um, I would say 
do that. And I think right now I just I've, I just have lunchbox cards coming out for moms to send to kids. And I think if you sign up for my e-letter right now, you can get 20% off. And if you can't, then let me know and I can make that happen for you. That's awesome. <laughs> I did see that. I thought that was so cute on your website, the little lunchbox note, note cards. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Kendall, for all your time today. I hope that people reach out and see if they can just get some of this overwhelming clutter, whether in their mind or on their calendar or in their home, taken care of so they can be free to live and enjoy their kids and their family. And so thanks for what you're doing. And I'll see everybody next week. Thanks, Kendall. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me today. And if you connected with something that was said, I hope you will share this with a friend, subscribe and leave a review. Thanks for sharing this journey with me at home where it all begins.